That's great, and we want to continue that. I'll give you a little bit of instruction later on in the message about how we can continue to post those pictures, and I appreciate so many people participating in that. Last year, I've mentioned before, we took a trip, Leanne and I did, to Zimbabwe to teach at a pastor's conference, which was a great experience. It was at Zimbabwe Christian College, and one of the things that we got to do was participate, it was the the very first full day we were there, we got to participate in chapel with the students at Zimbabwe Christian College, which was an excellent experience. I actually got to speak to them. It was just super. Now, one of the things that was really neat about that was sharing in the the worship time when they sang. And in that setting, it was just in a block classroom. There was no instruments. It was just voices. Now, I want to show you a video, but the, the quality on this, I apologize, is not great. Okay, I was standing in the back. You're just going to see the backs of a lot of people. But I want you to just listen to what they did with their voices in this time of worship. Just how they could harmonize and how they could bring their voices together with nothing but voices was really a beautiful thing. And it was very moving to me the first time I had the opportunity to worship outside our country. So that was great. Now we were in worship experience in several different places while we were there. We were at a church on Sunday morning, and then we went to the pastor's conference at the college. Pastors from all over Zimbabwe and even from some surrounding countries came in and they participated. Now, the same kids who led that service and were involved in that singing, also led the worship at the pastor's conference. But then things were different because they had a sound system and they had instruments and it was loud, okay? I could hear it clearly in my room, which was across campus. And you know, my thought was, man, why do they have to, why do they have to ruin that? You know, it was just so beautiful. And then they took it, and I just didn't even want to be in the room because it was just, it was blaring, and it was more than I could take, and I didn't want to be there. It's just funny how worship is, isn't it? I mean, they loved it. They wanted it that way, and they thought it was great that they had all these tools that they could use in worship, and I just hated it. But we have strong opinions about worship, don't we? I mean, we all have the sense of what worship should be like, and if we all wrote a page about what worship should be like, we'd probably have a different kind of approach for every person in the room today because we have strong feelings and we have different feelings about what worship should be. And in fact, as many of you know, churches have argued about this, and we've had what we call the worship wars, you know, where people who like different kinds of worship battle it out in churches to make sure they get their way moving into the future. And isn't it strange? That one of the things that churches have argued over most in the last, what, 20, 30 years is how we go to God and express our praise to Him. Don't you find that a little strange? That one of the things that we have the most trouble coming together on is how we talk to God together. How we worship God together. How we sing and pray together 
together. And yet, it's there. And it's because worship is emotional, right? I mean, it's thought-provoking, our minds are involved, but our emotions are involved too. It involves music. And when music's involved, the heart is involved. And so we have strong thoughts, but we also have strong feelings and sometimes that has put Christians at odds with one another. But here's something I find interesting. We, we sometimes get a pretty excited about what goes on in a room like this, on a day like this, at a time like this. And I'm not just talking about our church, I'm talking about lots of churches. But what we don't get excited about is how each one of us might worship in our lives on our own. In other words... We might get excited about, hey, what are we doing in this room on Sunday morning? But nobody's asking each other, hey, what's your worship like at home? What's your worship like when you open your Bible and you talk to God? What's worship like when you're praying to God on your own? Because you see, that's, that's separate, that's different, and what you do doesn't affect what I do. So it's not nearly as important to me. And I'm not throwing stones because I'm the same way. I'm not that much thinking about what you're doing in your own personal or family or, or small group worship setting, whereas what goes on in this room matters a lot to me. And how we conduct ourselves in worship is at the heart of ministry for many of us. Now, you know, the truth is it's easy for us to restrict worship to this room, and it's easy for us to restrict worship to what makes us comfortable in this room. One of the lessons I learned in Florida is that when people are in the midst of worship, and something is different for them, it's easy to say, that's not really worship. Okay, this is how it worked there. We had two services, and our services were a lot more different than the services we have here. Okay, they were very different. And the people in the, the second service, which was very contemporary, would look at first service, and we would have a choir, and we would have piano, and everybody was very quiet, you know, and everyone was calm, nobody got too excited. Everything was under control, okay? <clears throat> and they would look in that room and say, well, you know, they're just sitting there. They're just being entertained. And they want the choir and the special to entertain them. And, and then all those people would go out, and then the, the second service crowd would come in, and it was super contemporary, and all the people who liked the choir and the piano and the organ would look in and go, man, look at them. They got their hands up, and it's like a concert in there. They got a band and all that stuff. They just want to be entertained. See how that works? The things that we're not accustomed to, the things that, that may not speak to us personally, look like entertainment look like people are not really engaged in worship and sometimes we fail to realize that we can worship in different ways and and that's what I want us to think about today as we continue the series that we're looking at this first half of our mission statement and we're thinking about the fact that when we as Christians come together when we're the church and we love God and love each other part of loving God our elders have come together and said a church that loves God worships God passionately. Worships God passionately. Now, this is the, maybe the statement that, that, as I've worked through it, has given me the most trouble. Because as I think about that, what, what does it look like for somebody to worship God passionately? 
You know, it's very different for different people. For some people, it might be both hands up, eyes closed, praising God. For another person, it might be, you know, at the heart of communion with eyes closed, sitting as still as they can be, and everything's going on in the mind. Is one right and one wrong? No. But it's a little hard to say what worshiping God passionately looks like. But I want us to see if we can find some constants in that. Some things that are the same all the way through and even trace back to the Old Testament. So the Psalms really were the hymn book for the people of God in the Old Testament and were the hymn book for the church at the beginning of the church. They began to write their own hymns, but when the church begins, the Psalms are their hymn book. And so when we come to the end of Psalms, we have these last five Psalms that are all praise Psalms. They all begin with, Praise the Lord, or hallelujah, and end with the same thing. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, same thing, all right? And they're all about how do we praise God. Now, if you read through those five psalms, none of them has a complete picture of what worship is. But each one of them adds something to the mix that teaches us about worship. We've already heard Psalm 148 today, and I want us to focus in on Psalm 150, the very last psalm. Now, these were designed for worship, okay? They were designed to be read aloud, and they were designed to be chanted. They were designed for the people to sing with the leader. Now, I'm not going to ask you to sing with me, but what I would like to do is read through the whole psalm, and let's hear it together, and then we'll take it apart a little bit. Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and the lyre. Praise Him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, as I read through that, what I get are, are not like if we were in, in Paul's writings, maybe in Ephesians or something like that, and we could take it apart phrase by phrase and look at the Greek and see what Paul means. What I get are some, some important impressions that I think speak to me as I read through that. And maybe you can read through it a few more times this afternoon and see what you glean out of that. These are certainly not the only ones. But one of the things that I get when I read through that, the first glance is, wow, how, how full of variety worship was for the psalmist, right? I mean, this is not a day when you can go down to the the nearest music store and buy your favorite instrument. They had to be made by hand. They were very expensive. And yet, the psalmist uses all these instruments in worship. All these different ways of praising God and probably different people who, who played those instruments, bringing them in to the process of leading worship. Worship has great variety but it wasn't just instruments was it the psalmist says even worship god with dancing and we go hang on there i'm not so sure about that the way i grew up is you know dancing drinking running around you don't do any of those especially in church right So what is this that the psalmist would call the people of God to dance? Well, I want to show you one more video from Zimbabwe.
to give you an example of that. Don't get worried, because Ken and I could barely do this, okay? We can do that, I can promise you. That's really foreign to us, isn't it? It seems like you don't do that in church. And yet, I think you can see it there, and if you had been present with me, you would have said, this is worship. They're worshiping God. And it was, a, it was a beautiful thing. And I'm not saying we need that here. All I'm saying is, wow, worship can have a lot of variety. Because it was biblical, right? David danced before God. It's biblical. The Psalms call for dancing and worship. It's not that you can't have a proper worship service without dance, but, but maybe sometimes we have to see that worship is more than we sometimes think it is. It's bigger than we assume it is. The other impression I get as I read through this comes primarily from verse 2. Praise Him, praise God, for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. So it's not just the how we worship. The the psalmist also speaks to why we worship. The motivation for worship. And part of it is what God has done. His mighty acts. And we have a God who, who doesn't just sit back and look on creation and hope everything turns out great. We have a God who is engaged in creation. A God who knows what we are doing today. A God who says, when two or three gather in my name, there I am in their midst. So God is, is not sitting back. God is present among us today. Because we've chosen to gather in His name and worship. That's a great thing. But we don't just worship God because of what He's done, sort of as though He has to do all this, <clears throat> do all this stuff to earn our worship. It's also because of who God is. His surpassing greatness. Beyond anything we could think of. Beyond how we can imagine a being to be. We worship God because He is God, not just because He's done some stuff for us. Because He's God, He deserves our worship. So if we look at that, think, okay, what what does this passage teach us? If we read through and sort of get the texture of this psalm and where it's taking us, what do we learn? I think we learn a simple lesson to worship 
in everything. Worship in everything. Worship is not just part of life. It's a little bit like we talked about last week. Our relationship with God can't sit alongside work and and home life and friends and leisure. Our, Our relationship with God is at the center and everything revolves around that. Everything springs from that. And so we can't say, all right, well, worship is this thing we do over here at this certain time of the week in this certain room, and there's worship, and when we're done with worship, then we go back to real life. I think part of the message of this psalm is, and if you read through all five of those psalms from Psalm 146 to Psalm 150, it rings out all the way through that worship should fill life. I mean, if we worship a God who created the universe and fills the universe so that His presence is everywhere. We say that God is omnipresent. Present everywhere. If we worship that kind of God, how could we possibly think that He could be contained in one room or in one time in our lives? We worship a God who calls us to be with Him in all of life. To worship Him with everything we've got. With all of our ability. With everything we could say and do. That's the kind of God that we worship. Worship in everything. Now that's sort of freeing. Because it frees us from being bound up by all the things that we might have thought are worship or are not worship. It reminds us that there are other forms of worship. I think it tells us, because this is sort of done in the the context of corporate worship, this psalm is, that our time together is important. It's not that, well, this is just okay and fine, but, but real life is out there and that's where you'd really do worship. No, we need this time together. In some ways, our, our corporate worship, what we do in this room, is very different from anything else we do. And that's okay. And in many ways, our corporate worship, what we do in this room, makes us into a community of faith. It forms us into who we are as a body. We need it. The book of Hebrews tells us to come together for this. But we can't restrict it to this room. Because God is bigger than this room. And so how do we allow worship to fill our lives to the point that we are worshiping in everything? So, let me ask you this. How could your work be worship? How could what you do, maybe you're, maybe you're retired and you volunteer, whatever, whatever it is you do, how could your work be worship? You say, well, I don't know. I mean, it's not, it's not like I can you know, sing praises all day long at my desk or uh, on a tractor or in a truck or wherever it is you work, classroom, wherever it is you work. Well, maybe not. Although some of that could be in your head. But if we do what we do excellently so that God gets the glory for everything we do, it's worship. If we do what we do continuing to think, hey, this is all about loving God and loving others, then your work can be worship. When you're successful and you give God the credit, your work 
can be worship. Okay? What other part of life? Well, what about your commute? Some of you may have a good little drive. How could that be worship? And to me, that's an easy one. You can play Christian music, right? It can be worshipful in your car with God. You could listen to a sermon or a talk or something from a Christian book. There's plenty of books that you can get on CD or, or on MP3 or whatever. That can become worship. Here's a harder one. How about a trip to Walmart? You say, that's my own personal hell. How could I possibly worship? <laughs> Maybe you could. You know, if you go to a country like Zimbabwe, or many of you have been to Haiti with Nancy, to go into a store like Walmart, where there's just about everything you need to survive in life would be a dream to so many of those people. And to actually be able to go there, maybe not buy whatever we want, but to buy what we need for the week. Maybe even Walmart could be a place of thanksgiving. Maybe Walmart is even a place where we could bless somebody else. I'm not saying I'm great at that. I'm just saying maybe I need to be. Worship in everything. Everything. Allow worship to permeate our lives. You know, we had a team that talked about this vision statement. We, everyone, we had a team that talked about it and and the team that was talking about worshiping God passionately, of course, we dealt with some things that relate to this room, right? We dealt with some equipment that we need to purchase. Some of it we've already purchased. Some of it we're working on. Some of it we'll have to take time before we can get there. But we want this, this time to be a great time, and sometimes that requires some equipment. We talked about the need to, to teach more on worship. And I think that was sort of a theme that ran all the way through these, that, yeah, one sermon is great, but, but if worship really is all life, then... We need to talk about it more than one week. So we'll do that in the future as well. We talked about the need for it to be an experience. From the time we walk in until the time we get back in our cars, that somehow we need to create an experience of worship that fills our time here. We talked about sort of moving beyond the sense of worship being in this building and, and focusing our lives that that what we do here has to be God-centered, but what we do in all of life needs to be God-centered if it's going to be worship. So let me challenge you this week. I'm glad you're here today. I want you to be here next Sunday morning too. How can you take what we do here out of these walls? Whether it's on your commute or in your work or with your family, or even at Walmart, make, make, maybe you're not going to make all of life worship yet, but make more of life worship. And as you continue to do that, I'd love to see some more pictures of how you make life worship, how you worship in everything. So again, the hashtag in the TCC Love God, Love Others, and posting to the church Facebook, let me ask you to do that. I think we can have a lot of variety this week as we think about 
how worship is beyond here. And maybe, you know, before we finish up today, you want to pull your phone out and take a picture of our worship band because you think it's awesome to worship here. I do too. It's part of worship. But think about how it goes beyond this, this room and how you worship this week. Let's pray together. God, we're thankful for worship. And we know that we've seen too many churches torn apart because they can't agree on how they come before you and express themselves, and it grieves us when we see that. Because it's, it's such a privilege to worship. And God, we pray that what we do here will bring us together and it will bring us together before you as we come together for worship. But help us to take worship beyond just this room. Help us to make it part of our, our whole life. Help us to teach our kids what worship is by the way we live our lives. Help us to show our spouse how thankful we are and how our relationship with our spouse or our parents is worship. Help us to make every part of life worship. I pray it in Jesus' name. Maybe today the message of Jesus has struck you. The fact that God has called us to a relationship of worship. And because of Christ, we can receive forgiveness and eternal life. And you're ready to turn your life over to him to be baptized into him. Or maybe you're ready to be a member of our church. As a baptized believer, you want to serve alongside us. If you've made either one of those decisions, let us know. Come forward as we stand and sing our invitation. Let's stand together.